be incredibly grateful for what God's built here. Like, not here, but like, you know, here. You know, the people that sit here and the way that um, God has fashioned life around the victory of the cross. And he's done it by not bricks and mortar and, and lights and everything, but just like people. Like, it's, it's my favorite structure I've ever seen. And so, uh, man, I just want to say thank you. If, this, if you call this family and maybe even if you feel like, man, I'm not entirely in there yet, I would encourage you to get in there and figure out what that means, uh, either through community group or one of our discipleship groups, um, or maybe you just find somebody that you know that you talk to on a regular basis, and they don't know Jesus really well or at all, and you just get to tell them how you know them, like how you know Jesus, and, and convey that, and uh, I would encourage you to do that. And if you need help, like ask us, like ask us. It's not nearly as complicated as it may feel or seem. Um, just reminded this weekend, like Acts 1-8 says, just, just be my witnesses. Start where you are, go a little bit further, go to the place where you don't like them, they don't like you, then go as far as you can imagine. And all you got to do is tell of what you've seen, tell of what you've heard, tell of what you've experienced. That's it. That's, that's what we get to do. And so, yeah, do that. I would encourage you. Today, we're back in the simple message of Romans 12, okay? Um, last week, we, we kind of made the joke, like this is one of these texts that for me as a pastor that, ooh, that's squeaky. Uh, for me as a pastor that's exegetical by nature, and what I mean by that is like I want to look at a line and I want to make 20 points off that one line. I want to I pick it apart, you know, like a chicken wing. I want every little bit off that thing, and chicken wings are great, and God made those for people like me. But um, I, dare, I generally want to do that with a text. But like this particular passage, especially the latter half of Romans chapter 12, like it's one of those that... It's not super necessary because what it says is what it means, and we don't have to do a lot of Greek homework. We don't have to do a lot of cultural homework. We just, we just read it. And so last week we talked about kind of those first few verses in, in this particular passage, verses 9 through 13, after Romans 12 was introduced. And, and Romans 12 was introduced, and it basically said, look, therefore, which we talked about, if there's a therefore, we always ask what it's there for, and the therefore is referencing back to, to pretty much everything that came before it in the book of Romans, basically talking about, hey, this is how you have been saved. Uh, you didn't do it. You didn't orchestrate it. It was by the work of God, and it was for the fact that other people need to hear about God, but you, you didn't do it. But this is how it happened. And so then chapter 12 kind of marks a very distinct shift for the book of Romans because to be honest, you've got about four chapters in the book of Romans that probably are the weightiest and heaviest uh, theological discourse in all of Scripture. I mean, they are thick. I mean, they're like, like I've said before, like overnight oats that you didn't add just enough water with. I mean, they're, they're thick, and they take a while to chew on and process and do that kind of thing. So they're good, but then Romans 12, it's, it's so interesting for Paul because Paul can... Man, Paul can lay out a, a, a structure and uh, processes, so to speak, based on God that are so rich and just, man, they are hard and difficult to dissect and really get to the bottom of. But then he shifts to this chapter 12, and it's just like he's giving us a breather, but he's also making it simple because now, as a result of salvation, life does get a bit simpler. Now, it's not to say there's not difficulty, because difficulty or effort is not the same as simplicity or complexity, like it becomes a bit more simple. And so last week, we, we kind of looked at some verses 9 through 13, in which Paul was basically saying, look, now, therefore, as a result of your new identity that is defined solely by the person, work, and resolving nature of Jesus Christ, okay, based on that, therefore, this is how we should live. This is who you are. As a result of who you are, this is what life looks like. And those four verses that we looked at last week, most of them were, were very horizontal in nature, but they were also captive by this idea of one-anotherness. 
and one another. This would be the ecclesia, the church, the family of God, designed by God, called by God, redeemed by God for the sake, the glory of God, and for the goodness of people. That's a lot of words. That's Paulian right there. And so they were mostly horizontal in nature, but within that box, within the confides of the one another's, the family. This week, we're going to read, and it extends beyond the one another's for the most part. One another will be mentioned in one section, but it's going to extend beyond the family of God, in which the way that we carry ourselves, live out our life, handle life uh, with people that do not yet know God, but so that they may. They do not yet know God, but so that they may. And, and also, so that we may reveal who we are, what our identity is now. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you this, too. Like, verses 9 through 13... Even if you're a young believer, like if, if we would call you an infant, and that's not a negative term, uh, we don't, it's not negative to say that Charlie back there is an infant. By the way, Charlie Middleton is right back there. Good to see Sarah and Rob this morning with their beautiful little man. Great to see them back this morning. I urged them. I was like, hey, don't come back if you're not ready. Don't rush it. Uh, but they got a brand new shiny little baby boy. Still has the new baby smell. Um, don't touch the baby, but you can look at him. Gawk all you want. Um, but, like, it's okay for him to be an infant. And if you're a new believer, it's okay for you to be an infant. And, like, the verses that we read last week, if you're an infant believer, you would read those and you'd be like, man, those are good. I, I kind of think, think I can do them. I can, I can genuinely love somebody. I can, um, I can try to outdo my brother with, with goodness and zeal. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a competition. I'm very competitive. I love basketball. You want to play horse? Not me. I'm not a basketball guy. But, like, you know, I'll try to outdo my brother with brotherly affection and zeal, and I'll do it with fervency, things like that. And, and I'll rejoice and hope, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. I'll give of what I've got. I can do that. Let me warn you, today, today's not that easy, Okay. Because these things that we read last week, they kind of point to the pinnacle of humanity. When humanity's at its best, that can only be achieved by God, but a lot of people will aspire to it. Like those things last week point to the pinnacle of humanity. The, the things that we're going to look at today, by and large, are going to point in the opposition of my human nature. They're going to be the things that are not normal for me. In my flesh, the way that I was born, apart from God, separated from him for eternity, but God, through Jesus, displayed his mercy, gave me grace so that I may be bound to God, make him known, and know him. Like before that, like these things I'm going to read today, probably not very doable. And not even that they're not very doable. They're contrary to what I would want to do to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do them. I'm not going to do them. They don't make sense. So I'm just, I'm going to pretend they don't exist. And so, with all of that fun being said, and probably like you're going, well, man, I don't even want to hear this. You do. I promise you do. Uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into Romans 12, 14 through 21. God, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it has the power to point us to a God who loves us dearly, so much, in fact, that he asked his son to come and die in our place. Um, thank you for him. And we get to look at him. We see you. Uh, we can know you. Um, and, Father, we can be known by you. Father, as we look at your word today, I pray that it speaks louder than anything else, louder than our doubts, louder than our flesh, um, louder than our desires to be so completely human and normal. God, I pray that we would see as, as Christ followers, those called out of the world, God, we're called not to be normal. We're called to be very abnormal, very alien to this place, but for good reason, for good purpose, and for your glory. I pray you speak through your word today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, 14 through 21, we're going to read through this text and then we're going to go back and talk to it. We will be jumping a little bit back to Matthew chapter 5 if you want to go ahead and, and kind of stick a pin in that. But it's also going to be on the screen here. So chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 14. I want to say, therefore, first, okay? Therefore, even though it's not here, it started in Romans chapter 12. So therefore, 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, hold on. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, you may hear this, and you may be like me. And I'll go ahead and just say a couple things. Number one, I'm a southern male. I was born here. And like in me, like I've, I've had to tell people, like we're born with a desire to fight, okay? Like it's just the way that it is. Like I think during, during COVID and everything, like I was having a conversation with a few pastors and we were just trying to reconcile our feelings and the way that we wanted to rally against everything. And we came to this conclusion, like I was born in South Carolina and somewhere along my lineage here, there were people that probably started the Revolutionary War. Or they may have started the Civil War. I'm not talking about the goodness of the Civil War or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But in me, there's a genetic predisposition that I want to fight, like in the way that I'm born. Okay, if someone wrongs me, if someone cuts me off in traffic, I'll be honest, my normal inclination is to repay them. I'm going to go after them. You know, I got, I got five liters of V8 in my truck. I can chase them down. I can do it. And, and I don't need to, and I don't, but I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like the contrary nature of me having a body, being flesh, but also having spirit in me, there, there's this battle. And man, it, it wants to fight itself, but it wants to fight other people too. Like it just does. Jesus, through Paul, is looking at us and looking to new believers in the church at Rome. And he's saying, therefore, as a result of what God has done, as a result of your new identity that's not contingent upon your old, but it's just contingent upon Christ, here are things you need to know. The first is this in verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Okay? That's, I mean, admittedly, n- not normal. Okay? It's not normal. Like, this is not, this is not our, our SOP, our standing operating procedure. This is not the way we go. If somebody comes after me, oh, man, I'm going to go after them. Okay? Persecution here, literally like crushing weight kind of a deal. That idea, like if, if someone is coming to, to smack you down, to crush you down, to beat you down, now persecution here in this particular context, before we get toward the end of the chapter, like uh, this t- particular persecution is very much verbal, social, emotional persecution kind of a thing, cultural. Uh, it's not like an onslaught of physical stuff, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, these are like, you know, the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But it's not true. Words do hurt. And when they come after me, we generally want to throw things back. You know, be it chairs, be it phones, be it glasses, or other words. Like, that's, that's our natural inclination. But what we have to acknowledge on the very forefront of this is kind of go back to that therefore and understand that, that even though my natural inclination is to do as my natural self wants to do, Jesus has called me to be a new creation, something different. Look, the old is gone, the new has come, and so new acts different than old. I know that sounds very simple, but new does. New acts different than old because new is different than old. And so in this very first place, it says, uh, bless those who persecute you. So they're coming after you instead of going back after them, like this idea of blessing, what, what would that look like? Well, I think uh, if we look at Matthew 5, 43 uh, through 48, Jesus kind of gives us a little bit more on this when he's giving his Sermon on the Mount. 
And in verse 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hearkening back to Levitical ideas. He said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who, uh, for if you love, those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and your sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect or holy as your heavenly Father is perfect or holy. He said, look, if you want to bless those who come after you, the first thing you do is you stop and you pray for them. And what I mean by that and what Christ means by that is you don't pray that they get what they deserve. I remember uh, had a, the gym that I trained at down in Columbia. There was a lady there, and she was um, in the... Don't, I'm not going to use a name, and I'm not making fun of, I'm not stereotyping, so understand. But she was the lady that wore the T-shirts, you know, with God all over them. She had the bumper stickers uh, on her car. She, she wore the bracelets. She had all of those things, and she was, she was a great billboard, billboard for God. But at the same time, whenever she would hear that someone did wrong, she was like, I pray smite on them. Like, she would pray punishment and judgment on them. And finally, one day, I, you know, and, and I don't speak up a lot like that very often. A lot of times, I'll, I'll pray for them instead. But that day, I just had enough. And I was like, maybe you should pray that, that God would correct them and draw them into his family. How about that? She didn't like that. She didn't like that at all because that doesn't feel as good. But the reality is it says, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Curse them would literally be saying, hey, God, now if we're believers, we're not going to send down a curse like in witchcraft. But our version of cursing is this. Hey, God, I would like for you to remove everything from them that they love. Amen. Their job, I want them to lose it because they're talking about how bad I do mine. Their family, they're making fun of my kids. Yeah, I don't want their kid to make the baseball team. I want them to feel it where it hurts. That would be our version of cursing, to curse someone. But instead, he says, uh, if you, therefore, you're different now, your identity has changed. Uh, when someone persecutes you, the first thing you do is you pray for them and you pray for goodness for them. Generally, any time that it's telling us to, to pray, it's, it's seeking good. Not praying retribution, not praying punishment, not praying any of those things, praying deliverance. Maybe, we, and I tell my kids all the time, they come home and they're like, you won't believe what someone did. I'm so mad at them. I'm like, well, number one, you're not so mad. You don't understand what that modifier means when you put it in front of mad. Like, you're not. You're talking to me calmly. And I'm like, you don't know where they are right now. You don't know what happens in their home. You don't know what their big brother does or if they have a dad or if they have a mom. How about we stop? And I'm not trying to be the holy dad in this moment, but I'm speaking to them what I need to speak to myself. I'm like, maybe you should stop and you should pray that, that God would love them and that they would know that he loves them. And maybe that you get an opportunity to talk to him about, you know, how God loves you and how you know him. So, and I know that sounds incredibly cliche and trite, but hey, we are new. We are different. We are set apart, sanctified, not in this world anymore, in a new world, strangers and aliens here. We're in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the world. And so we do. We act differently. Bless those who persecute you. It starts with, with prayer. And what do we pray? We pray for ultimate good for them. Like, we want goodness for them. And ultimate goodness for them is going to be that their life is changed and altered. Their eternity is shaped by the blessing work of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for that for them. We pray for that with such a belief that not only do we bless them in prayer, but we bless them in action and word. We agree with God to such a degree that we want them to be saved that actually, even though persecution comes, we do everything that we can to live well with them, to love them well where they are, as they are, how we can, in hopes that they meet Jesus, in hopes that maybe we get to tell them in hopes that maybe they get so ticked off at our niceties that they're like, what is wrong with you? And you can say, Jesus, you know, whatever, however you want to do that. Don't do it like that because people are going to think you're taking the Lord's name in vain. But you could say, hey, what is wrong with me is I'm just, you know, 
I'm trying my best to love you. And dude, it will mess people up. We'll get to that in just a second, what, what that actually looks like and what that does, but it will. Bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for goodness for them. And if I ask for a show of hands, like, and I said, hey, is this easy? Nobody's going to really raise their hand because it's not. Like, it's not. It's contrary to what we want to do. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Verse 15, we're a little better here, okay? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And, and I will brag on the Origins family. Man, with the one another's, we do this incredibly well. Like, we, we've got that down. One another's not necessarily implied in this verse. Okay, we want to start there. Galatians 6.10, make sure that it says, uh, take every opportunity to do good, especially good, especially those in the household of faith or your faith family, those bound together uh, with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Yes, uh, do good with them, but this is kind of pointing us to the outside. So this means when your neighbor across the street, who you don't know really well, you find out they lost their father, uh, you go. And you say, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I know you're hurting. And, and I don't know you, but, but I can empathize or at least sympathize, and I hurt with you. You let them know. Like, you're here for them. You let them know with pound cake if you, if you do, if you want, because um, food covers all kind of wounds. It's like love, modern day, but you eat it. Um, you, you let them know in whatever way you want. Like, you go to them, and you make yourself available, even, like, even if they don't like you. We've been called to love them. Maybe they were... Maybe they were even the ones that were persecuting you last week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, nothing in here says that it matters. No, we're not talking about degrees of persecution, degrees of harm. So weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. All peoples. If you have, if you have a, a proximal relationship with them, if they are your neighbors in the most general sense of the word, and they're hurting, you go and you hurt with them. You put yourself in their shoes, you put yourself in their circle, and you hurt with them. I need to do the same. And then it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. You find out on the same, you know, same street, same people, same workplace, whatever, they have a baby. Babies are joyous. They're exhausting. They're great. Uh, they're tiring. They're all of those things. It's a good balance, but mostly on the edge of, you know, on the scale of good, they're that. Uh, you go to them and you say, hey, that's awesome. Yeah, what do you need? And they're going to say sleep. You're like, well, I can't bring you that in a basket, but what else do you need? You go and rejoice with them. You see, and this is crazy too. Like, we're terrible at this as Americans that live in a neighborhood. Like, you see balloons on someone's uh, mailbox. We're just like, hey, I wonder what happened. You know how we can find out? We go to their door and we knock. And we're like, hey, you got balloons on your, on your mailbox. They're pink or blue. I'm guessing I know what happened. That's awesome. Congratulations. You know what they're going to think? They're going to think you're nuts. That's okay. I think we need to be a little more nuts. Like, to be honest, I think we need to be a little more crazy. Stop being so concerned with people thinking that we're a little bit nuts. The early church was viewed as kooks, kooks, crazy people, so much that they were killed. So anyway, maybe a little nuts, go to their house, tell them. You got a coworker? You got a coworker, you find out they had their first kid? Man, take care of them. We do it well within this family, and that's awesome. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. We keep doing that. Sarah and Rob, I don't want y'all to have to cook a meal uh, for the next couple of months. And we've got a meal train in this full. Take care of them, feed them. But on the outside, those that are in the outside of the faith, they need to see that we love them too. We're great at loving each other, and that's awesome. That's to be praised. That's to be celebrated. But we need to take care of other people, too. Like, we're called to do that. We're called to do that even if we never get to share the gospel with them, believe it or not. Now, we want to. We do. We should have a desire to. We should have a desire to see ultimate life change come to them. And if God presents that opportunity through us serving them, absolutely. But we lay bricks until that time. We build that path. And sometimes it's just as simple as stopping at your neighbor's house, and they've got balloons up and just saying, congratulations, what do you need? And they're probably going to say nothing. And they're like, no, 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 that's not true. What do you need? Seriously, aside from sleep, what can I give you? 
You know, or maybe a job promotion, maybe a new house, you show up, you help people move, whatever it is. Like, weep with those who weep, find a way to get into their life, and let them know that you understand and that you're sorry for their loss. You hurt with them. If they're experiencing joy, have joy with them. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. This is the one another in this particular passage. One another here, same word that we get. The rest of Scripture for one another, it is, like it's the family, okay? For us, this is important because it's basically saying this. Sing the same song. Sing the same song. Like, if, if you have musicality in your family, then you know what harmonies are. Like, you're singing the same song, but you're taking a different part, okay? But we're still singing the same song. The world needs to see that we are unified, heading in the same direction. Maybe not at the same pace, but we're going in the same place. And where we're going is we want the glory of God, and we want to love people as we get there so that they can experience the glory of God too. We need to be unified. And so I think even with the preceding verse in mind, of mourning with those who mourn, weep with those who weep. That means that as a body, as a family, called out by God for this place, for this time, for his glory, we need to be collectively in line and say, look, if someone outside of our circle is hurting, we need to hurt with them. And we need to make sure that each other's doing that. And check in on each other. Hey, um, you told me that your neighbor's father passed. Have you been to visit? We need to be unified. We need to hold each other to that. Hey, you told me that your coworker, your boss, had a baby. Have you... Have you given them a thank you card, even if your handwriting's terrible? That's one of my, you know, one of my concerns. I hate writing thank you cards because it, it looks like I had a terrible disease as a child uh, when I write. It's terrible. Um, and that's not making fun of me. I shouldn't have even said that. That's, that's horrible of me, too. So I just got horrible all over me today. Um, we need to hold each other to that. Make sure we're singing the same song and keep each other there. Uh, and then it says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This is a pride issue. And this is, again, talking to the one another's. It's like, don't think highly of yourself, okay? And, and associate not just with the lowly, but all people. And that can also mean, too, if we look at it in Greek, it's like, do the menial tasks. Do the menial tasks. Maybe that means that, man, whatever service these people need, however we need to take care of the people outside the family, people within the family, making sure that we're harmonious with each other, sometimes we do the, the difficult things, the unsung things, the things that aren't very fun. Don't think higher of yourself than you should. Don't be, don't be too proud. Haughty. It's not a word we use a whole lot. But don't, don't be too proud. You know, we're, we're never above sweeping floors. We're never above washing cars. We're never above cleaning up vomit when a kid does it out there in the, our kind of makeshift vestibule, which apparently happened the week I was gone about three, four weeks ago. Thank you for whoever cleaned that up. That's awesome. That's a pretty menial task and disgusting. And I, I'm, I'll gag if I talk about it that much more. So thanks for that. So... Uh, do not be haughty, uh, do not think more of yourself, and associate with the lowly. Um, man, I'll be honest, we're, we are a, a, a very eclectic group of white people in here for the most part, okay? And we come from different places, different times, different backgrounds, and, and we're, we're vastly different, vastly different. You may look at someone, and uh, they may have a job that's very different than yours. Doesn't matter. You may look at someone, and, and they may have less than you. Doesn't matter. You may look at someone, they have more than you, and that's a pride point for you. It doesn't matter. Like family's family. We hang out with everybody. Everybody. Figure out how to do that. Like don't think so highly at yourself that you're cutting off a relationship with someone else. Figure out what it looks like. Now granted, with the amount of people that we have in here right now, even on kind of a, a, a three quarters of a day, like there's no way you can hang out with everybody, but we can do our best, you know, to get to know people. And that means, ooh, watch out. I'm going to hit you. Get here early and stick around for a little bit longer on Sunday if you're not in a community group. 
if you come up to me and you tell me or you tell leadership, I'm having a hard time getting to know people, yet you get here five minutes late and you leave five minutes early, I'm going to have words for you. They start with, I love you, but I'm going to tell you, you got to do something different. You want to get to know people. And I know that sounds incredibly hard, and I'm okay with that. But if you pitch to me a problem, I'm going to pitch to you a solution. I don't know people. You're not around people. You're sitting in the same room with people, but you're not talking to people. So anyway, you can't associate with the lowly if you don't know the lowly, so maybe you should get to know everybody. All right, moving on before you throw things. All right, continuing on, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Similar idea. Don't, don't think you know it all, because granted, the moment that you do, you'll find out that you do not. And then we continue. Here's where it gets hard again. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is kind of continuing that idea of blessing those who persecute you. Uh, the world would say, if someone hurts you, you hurt them back. They hit us, metaphorically or literally, we hit them back. It's not the way of Jesus. It's just not. And you say, prove it to me. Well, I, I think we've been talking about it for the past month. You can't look at the cross and say that's the way of Jesus, to hit back. He didn't. He could have smoked them, literally, figuratively, in every way that we could imagine. He didn't. He took it over and over and over. At one point, 39 times, and then plus all the other things. Like, he took it. You're like, you're telling me that I need to get beat? We'll get to that. But I'm just telling you, it's not the way of Jesus to pay back evil for evil. It's not the way we function. That's the way the world functions. I know my leaning. Like, I get it. And I, I would imagine that pretty much every man is born like that, and probably most women, too. Humans are born like that, but I can't speak to what it's like to be a woman. I can speak to what it's like to be a man, and I know I'm born with the urge to hit back. I know that I'm born with the urge to protect my family, and we'll get to that. But I know that deep within me, like, I'm, I'm born with the urge. You strike me, I'll strike you, and I'll hit you harder than you hit me. Can't be my identity anymore. I acknowledge it. I need to acknowledge it. It's not who I am. Can't be. And when I feel the urge, I have to call it what it is. That's my sinful nature trying to override my new spirit nature, and I have to say, nope, not here. Not now. What do I need to do to get help? So for some of you, maybe me included at times, uh, if that's your urge a majority of the time, maybe you need to put your hand up and say, I need help because I'm not dealing with this very well. I'm still acting old, and I need to be new. You know, there's words like counseling and therapy and prayer, and all of those things, and they're all okay. We do what we need to do to live new. And if you need help externally, you ask for it. You don't know who to go to? You come, you ask me. I'll send you to somebody. I don't have enough letters after my name to counsel you in that way, but I'll talk to you about Scripture, and then I'll refer you to someone who can help you. That's not our new way. Can't be. Never. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought. Listen, oh, man. One of my favorite phrases, one of my favorite phrases right here. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all people. You know what he's saying right here? Think before you act. Hey, if, if you were born in the past 50 years and no one has ever told you that before you do something, you should think about it, hear it from me today and learn from my mistakes. Be wise. Learn from other, someone else's mistakes instead of just being smart, learning from your own. Be wise. Think before you act. 
Think before you speak. Think before you strike back. Take a moment and weigh the options of what you're about to do and even ask the question to God. God, is this what I am considering doing based on the offense done to me? Is this the wise thing to do? Is this the smart thing to do? Is this going to point people towards Jesus? And you're like, it can't be that simple. It can be that simple and that hard at the same time. Before we do anything, before we speak that word back to our spouse that maybe ticked us off, intentionally or not, think, stop, pause. Before we yell back at our kid who just embarrassed us to death, think, stop, pause. Before we speak to our coworker who just spilled their coffee on our keyboard, if that still happens anymore, I don't know. Before we speak back in anger, in rash tones, stop, pause, think. And ask, what is going to bring the most honor to Jesus in my action right now? And very often, the most honor may be that you do nothing at all. You just turn around and walk away. You go to the bathroom and wash your face. Do whatever you got to do. And then you come back like a normal person. I don't think the, the getting angry part at the offense is the, is the wrong part. The wrong part is what we do in response. Like, my flesh is going to be pricked from time to time, and it will bleed, and it will cause a reaction. But me choosing what I do next, that's when sin enters. How do I respond? Offenses are going to happen. That's just nature of living in a broken world. We're going to be offended. We're going to be hurt. We're going to be persecuted. So stop. Stop. Evil's done to you. You don't have to do evil back. We can't, like... In very nice self-help terms, which self-help is an oxymoron. I think it's ridiculous, but it's really funny. We can stop the cycle here. Stop the evil cycle. It has two wheels and it ends to, to pain and shame. Anyway, I'm not making fun of that, but I am. Just, we don't have to let the evil continue. Done to you, we can stop. Choose to stop. Think. Here's verse 18. And I'm so glad this is here because we do need a little bit of clarity. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. This is where I said, I'm, I'm not telling you to go out and get beat to death, okay? This is here. Paul put it here. There's a reason that it's here. Um, in as much as possible, on our part, we do everything that we can to maintain peace. Everything that we can to possibly maintain peace. You look at James 3.18, you look at Matthew 5.9, we have this idea that we are to work for peace. We are to be peacemakers. We're going to do that. But to be honest, peace is contingent most of the time on two parties. And we do everything that we can to pursue peace, to create peace. Um, but the other person has to be willing to. And if they are bringing violence against you, this is not what I'm talking about here. Like if they're bringing consistent violence against you, you do what you have to do to stop that violence. Okay. Like, this is not some 70s peace, hippie grease uh, pacifism that I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about we pursue peace, we do our best to make peace, but if there is harm coming to you, you stop the harm. Okay? You stop the harm. Like, for me, like, I think about practical real world, the way this looks, like, if someone's trying to steal my truck, I'm going to let them steal my truck. If someone wants my wallet, I'm going to give them my wallet. Okay? If, if, I'll be honest. Like, I, I even go and I, I look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43, uh, or pardon me, 5, 38 through 42, um, and we'll throw that up there. And it says, uh, yeah, there we go. You've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that was talking about law and Levitical days and judgment stuff, uh, and people took it way out of context. But he said, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Most of the time we read this first part and we're like, if somebody's beating you up, just let them. 
Problem is, this was talking about a slap. A slap was an insult, and it was a physical insult, but it wasn't them trying to take your life. Okay, we do have to read things in context. Okay, and I'm not telling us to go out and fight, but I'm telling you that if your life is threatened, you have the right uh, to get out of that situation however you need to. Okay, but we do have to be objective enough to think about what is necessary in the moment. I'll be honest, and I've even thought about this. If someone threatens just me, I may let them. Now, if someone threatens my family, that's different. And I'm working through that. I'm trying to think through that. But, but at this stage where I am, looking through Scripture, like, I understand this. If someone slaps the right cheek, you turn the other cheek. And I will. I'll give them my cheek. I'm not going to give them my wife's cheek. And now I'm probably speaking on preference right now, and that might not be incredibly biblical. But I'm just telling you, that's where my personal line is. I'm not telling you to adopt that, but I'm telling you that's where I am. But someone wants my car, they can have my car. They want my wallet, they can have my wallet. They want anything physical that I have. I'm not willing to fight over that. They can have that. As a matter of fact, I'll give it over to them peaceably, and I'll say, take that. You go. Be blessed. Because I can replace all of that. But I am charged to protect my wife and my kids, and I would protect you. I might limp there right now, but, but I, would, I would do that. Um, but the turn the other cheek idea, we can't take that out of context. That's not, saying, um, that's not saying if your life is being threatened, you don't have the right to get out of there. Okay? This was, yes, a physical representation, and it was real, but it was also a, an insult. It was practical. And then he takes it a little bit further. He's not talking about anyone trying to kill you. He's like, if anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone's trying to take something from you, just you give it to them. You're like, man, that's crazy. I work for my stuff. You did, but it's not yours. So give it. And then he's like, if someone forces you to go one mile, this is what Roman soldiers would do very often to Christians. They're like, hey, you, carry my stuff for a mile. I mean, it was literal. It was like a mile. And he said, if you're a believer, hey, just go ahead and give them another one. Wheezing or not. I don't know what kind of Metcons you did last week, but you probably need to jump it up a little bit because you've got to walk two miles with a load. Carry it. This is new self, not old self. Old self wouldn't do any of that. Old self would be, I'm not carrying your stuff. You want my coat? You didn't pay for it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not natural. But it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Whatever we can do to maintain peace, we do that. We do everything that we can. I'm not, I'm not, advocating, I'm not advocating fighting. Don't hear me. But Paul put this clarifier here for a reason. In as much as possible... You do everything that you possibly can to maintain, promote, and make peace. Okay? This requires us to be adults. It requires us to be adults. I'll be honest, I sat through a a concealed weapons permit class 10, 15 years ago and had a guy legitimately stop and ask. He was like, so if somebody's time to take my Chevelle, I can shoot them, right? And thankfully, the instructor was like, no. No, you can't shoot them over your Chevelle. And he tried to make an argument as to how great his Chevelle was. Okay, number one, a Chevelle had terrible body lines. I don't know why people liked it. They only liked it for the engine. It was hideous. It looked slow. Um, it was the wrong shape. But at the same time, it's, it's just stuff. It's just your tunic. Somebody's life's not worth your tunic. It's not worth your cloak. And it's also not worth living dishonorably amongst people. If they want it, you give it to them. And you're like, man, that's, that's a hard line. That's mine. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not telling you. Um, that we have options around this. We, we are new. We are different. We are called to sit, be set apart. So in as much as possible, we live peaceably. As much as depends on me. I can't control what someone else does. But I do have a modicum of control over what I do, how I respond, how I think. Um, 
And again, if you struggle with that, stop and pray. Okay? Uh, there's always, man, and I know this is not popular amongst boys growing up when I grew up. There's always the, pop, the, uh, the opinion or the place just to get away. You know, sometimes our best response is to do nothing. Sometimes our best response is to just get out of the way. Go, leave. Do whatever you got to do to get out. So just go, leave. If possible, so much as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Then, beloved, those whom I love, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so here, uh, again, we have this desire. Like this, this vengeance here is not in the moment kind of a thing. It's not you struck me, I'm going to hit you back. This is like you wronged me last week. I am going to plot and plan how I can get you back. We can't do that anymore either. We just can't do that anymore. We actually have to trust God and his goodness in his way. We don't pray for smite to come down on them, whatever that looks like, whatever it smells like. We don't pray for that. We don't pray for their destruction. We don't pray for the loss of their career. We don't pray that their kids don't make the soccer team and the travel team. We don't pray for those things. We pray for goodness for them, and we let God do the rest. We have to trust him enough that, to understand that his justice way better than mine. Okay, His decisions way better than mine. His, his way of doing things, his judgment way better than mine. And so we do everything that we can to live honorably, to live well, to love people, to bless those who persecute you, and not worry about vengeance, because that's not our job. I, I love that. I can't even remember what, com- uh, what company it was representing a couple years ago, but it was the Know Your Lane, bro. That commercial, it was a tattoo guy. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. What was it? Progressive, maybe? Because they had great commercials. And it was Josh Brolin in a commercial, which is really funny. They had to pay him a lot. And at one point, he's just like, Know Your Lane, bro. We got to know our lanes. Our lane is not revenge. That's not our job. Because our minds and our hearts are too broken by sin to actually figure out what someone truly deserves. That's up to God. Hear me. Our minds and our hearts, no matter how smart you are, and no matter how many good feelings you have, we're not righteous enough to decide what someone truly deserves. It's not our job. That's God's. And so we leave that to Him. And it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so, man, if you're one of those people that loves vengeance, you can be like, man, God's going to give it to him. I wouldn't say camp there very long. You just trust that God's going to do what God needs to do. He chose you. He saved you. He drew you out, pulled you out. He may do it to them too. To the contrary, it says in verse 20, this is what we do instead. Instead of seeking vengeance, here we go. And this is now saying enemy. It's not saying someone that just persecutes you, but it says someone that's adversarially against you, enemy. Someone that opposes you at every turn. This may be a workplace deal. I don't know. But I think it takes on more connotations, especially if we're reading in the book of Romans right now. They had real enemies. We have, like, frenemies at the best. We have, like, seventh-grade disagreements for the most part in our culture right now. But they had real enemies, people that were trying to kill them. Okay? Oh, you're part of the way? <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, I'm just going to, I think I might just torture you until you die. And the government's going to sanction it. You good with that? Okay, you don't have to be. They had enemies. We don't have those. Okay, so make sure that we understand the context and the scope of this. Uh, what we call enemies are probably people that just vote different from us um, or think politically different from us. Those are our enemies. They're not your enemies. Good grief. We've got to grow up and put big boy pants on, okay? Not your enemies, somebody that thinks differently than you. But if you did have an enemy, hypothetically, let's say that you did. Here's what we do. If your enemy's hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. That's not natural either. Not normal. Not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be. Like someone, if, if they are adversarially against you, you take care of them. You take care of them. And then it even tells us what that's going to do. And a lot of people are going to read this. They're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. That's what I've been waiting for. Let me explain. Okay? 
It says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You're like, yes! That's what I've been waiting for. Charcoal on their head, hair gone, pain, searing flesh. Yes, God, way to go. Sorry. Biblical metaphor. Okay? Biblical metaphor. It's not literal coals. This is actually alluding to, you know what? Pain leads to repentance. By you doing the opposite of what they did to you, they may be so irritated, so ticked off, so confused that the Holy Spirit's going to use them, use that to point out the error of their ways, draw them to himself, and redeem them the same way that he redeemed you to the point where they can ask for forgiveness for all the wrong things they did to you. Their hair is not on fire. Their heart gets broken because we're different. Because we're new. Because we're not of the world anymore. Just because they try to come at you and hurt you, and instead you don't offer a fist back, you don't offer words back, you, you offer them what they need. Man, our life can be so much simpler than we make it. We have to attach a process to so many things when instead what we just need to do is we need to understand who we are and how we live in response. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the best at it every day. Like There are days that I screw up. In repentance, confession, I have to do it. Like I, I'm, you know, like I, I have a high view of what I've been called to do, but I don't have a high view of myself because God reminds me very, very frequently that I'm not that great. But I am starting to see bit by bit that this life that he's called us into is far simpler than we thought it was. It's just, you've been made new. You have a new identity. Act like that person. Act like that person. Live like that person. Be that person. How do I know who that person is? Well, I've got a, I've got a manual for you. It's got words in it. It's got pages. It's got markers. Like mine's got one marker, but I need a couple more sometimes. But believe it or not, I can, I can sit down and I can read this and I can read it with other people. And I can ask God to illuminate the parts to me that seem a bit dim and I don't understand. There's even resources out there. You can find them on the internet. There's books in places called libraries that you can go and check them out. There's even books in places where you can go and buy them. It's amazing. You have time. I have time. God's granted us so very much. He's granted us a new life. He's granted us eternity with him in a new identity. The least we can do is figure out who he's made us to be and who we're not anymore. You struggle with that? Come and talk to us. Talk to your community group leader. Your community group leader, say, hey, how, how do you do this? And I'm sure, I know every one of them, they'll say, well, let me show you. We can even do it together. It's amazing. And they'll say it exactly in that timber and tone because we've coached them well. You come to me, you come to my wife, you come to Neil, you come to Lindsay, you come to Andrew, you come to Lexi, you come to Zach, you come to Becky, you come to any of us in leadership, you, you just come and you ask. You're like, I do not know how to pursue God in his word. Okay, well, let's figure that out. Let's figure that out. I don't read that well. Well, how do you listen? Because we can give that to you too. God's given us a new life, a new identity new creation, the least we can do in response is figure out what that is, who that is, what we're called to be. And if we don't, that's on us. That's not on him. If we don't read the directions on the back of a box for the product that we buy and that product blows up, we don't get to sue the manufacturer. 
even though people try. That coffee was so hot that it burned me. I'm going to sue you. Well, it said hot because people are dumb now, and we have to say that coffee's hot unless you order it cold, in which case it's not really coffee anymore. It's something else. And if it tastes like fruit, it's not coffee either. But anyway, I digress. It's up to us to figure out who we are. God's already made us new. We have to pursue it. Do not overcome evil by evil, or do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think the last part of our identity is we read this, like God's called us to be good. Not good little boys and girls or good little churchgoers, but like good in God terms. Like good in God terms. Again, if our identity is based on the goodness of God on display in Christ and His work, His words, His death, His resurrection, His redeeming power, then it's up to us just to figure out what that is. Pursue that. Live in that. If you're struggling to know who you are now, ask the question. Like we talked about on Easter, like if you have doubts about the resurrection, you have doubts about God, don't go to an extraneous resource. Go, go to God. Say, God, show me who I am. Teach me who I am. The Spirit of God lives inside of you to speak to you, to intercede for you in groanings that we don't understand. We've been granted so much. We have to take advantage of them. Stop and ask, God, who have you made me to be? Who have you made me to be? For the next few minutes, um, our response is going to be a little bit different today. We're, we're going to, water is going to come and, and play softly. And I'm just going to guide us in some prayer. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what to pray, believe it or not. Questions, questions that you're going to ask God. Um, but before I do, I want to remind you just some overarching ideas from this text before we pray. One, clearly, and I can say this emphatically, clearly, we need Jesus. And by we, I mean I, clearly, I need Jesus. Clearly, you need Jesus to have a hope of doing any of this, to have a hope of being new. You need Jesus, I need Jesus. Clearly. <laughs> Claro, okay? Secondly, our actions and reactions are not just about us. Our actions and reactions are not just about us. If we respond with good instead of evil, you heap burning coals on someone's head. You're like, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see people respond in that way. Uh, you should want that. I should want that. We shouldn't want smite. We should want forgiveness. We should want redemption. That's what we should want. Our actions are not just about us and our reactions. Number three, the way we love, even during hard times, it matters. The way we love, even during hard times, maybe even especially during hard times, it matters. It matters to God. It matters to us. It matters to a world that needs to meet Jesus, it needs to know him, be known by him. They matter. So over the next few minutes, this is, this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to open this up in prayer, and then, then I'm just going to tell you what, what you need to ask God, okay? These, these should apply to almost everybody. But if you can't ask it, like if you can sit there, and let me be honest, if you can sit there and be like, I don't want to ask God that, I'm a little afraid to, that's okay. Don't ask until you mean it. We, we're not after lip service. We're not a asking you to sing a song that you don't mean. We're not asking you to call in the name of the Lord unless you mean it. So if you can't say that, that's fine. I would applaud you just, just sitting there and think about the last song you heard instead, whatever. But I would encourage you, ask, do I want to say this? Um, and then we'll wrap up with one more song and some announcements. So, so pray with me. Number one, God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, in the next few moments as a family, we're, we're going to pray in unity. 
and ask you. I pray that you would hear them. God, I pray that you would speak loudly to us. I pray that, uh, that the presence of your Spirit would be palpable to direct us, to guide us. Um, show us who we are. So the first thing that, that I'm going to tell you to, to ask of God is just this. God, help me discover my identity in you. God, help me discover my identity in you. Fill in any words you need to, but the gist of it. Secondly, God, give me the strength to live as you've called me. Give me the strength to live as you have called me. And lastly, God, show me who in my life needs to see your extravagant love. And I'd say ask that tomorrow. Ask that the next day. Maybe ask it every morning before you leave your bed, before you pick up your phone, before you take your first step. Like today, God, who needs to see your extravagant love through me? Who? And wait for a name. God, we thank you, for a, thank you that you're a God who changes things. You don't just change our direction. You don't just change our destination. You don't just change our occupation, but you change literally who we are. You change us down to like a spiritually genetic level to the point that that genetic level can actually reproduce itself in someone else. God, you, you rectify the wrong. You change the broken to fixed, to healed. You make all things new. And God, for those who are redeemed, called according to your purpose, uh, God, you've created a new family, a new family that existed with a mission uh, that existed before it did, and, and God, you've placed us on a new trajectory as a result of our new identity. I, I pray as this church, I, I can't pray for the church down the street, but, but I can pray for this church, this church family. God, I pray that we'd realize our identity. I pray that you would show us exactly who we are, who we formerly were, and, and what is past and God, you'd point us to this new person. And then, God, you would give us the strength to live in that new identity. Not to just fake it until we make it, but to truly be that person that you have remade us to be. And God, I pray a ton of people see it. Not so that we can brag on ourselves, not so that we can brag on how far we've come, but God, so that we can point to you the same way, Jesus, that you did with your father at every chance you got. To say, not me, but him not in a cliche way, but in a genuine way, God, that you deserve the glory for the change in us. And God, I pray that you would be faithful to answer our question as to who needs to see. Who needs to see the changes you have wrought in us on display in the way that we love? Who needs to see it? And God, when you, when you tell us, because you will, when you tell us who it is, God, I pray that we're intentional. I pray that we are persistent. I pray that we are faithful. I pray that we are prayerful to pursue them in your name. And God, I pray that you would receive the glory and you would grow your kingdom. God, we love you. 
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this city. Thank you for this family. Thank you for your word. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.